is classy. That is me sipping the tea because guess what, honey? That election was successful, baby. <laughs> How are you doing on this very lovely, warm November afternoon? I'm confused as to what season we're in. For real. But I'll take it. As y'all know, I'm a November baby. It's coming up. My birth. I feel like so birth, far the weather in this month looks like it's going to be warmer and nicer than the weather in my birth month, which, by the way, is June. Exactly. <laughs> I've had snow on my birthday before. I haven't had that yet, but I think Steve's <laughs> had snow on his birthday before. Wait, when's his birthday? In May. That's crazy. I think we've had snow at the beginning of May before, have we not? I mean, I'm sure we have in Cleveland. Right. But I am wearing shorts and flip-flops today. Tara has to, unfortunately, look at my very ugly feet right now because I took my flip-flops oh, off. Who cares? We're recording from her house today, so remember, this is where the good acoustics are when I remember to plug in the microphone correctly. <laughs> it's magic here. I don't know. Yes. Because we're here. It's not necessarily this place. Yeah. The, we don't have all the ghosts in the background in my house. <laughs> and cats. I mean, we got Baxter, but Baxter is... Baxter's a loud bitch, but he left the room for a bit. He's on the podcast a lot. He is, but he ain't like swatting balls all over the place. Not today. Swatting balls all over the place is what Tara did for the rest of her weekend. Celebrate. To celebrate the death of the giant peach. <laughs> giant peach flew into the ocean and got eaten by sharks. Hooray. Hooray. I was very excited to say Nevada Kadara bitch. But then, of course, Pennsylvania came out and saved the day. So I was like, I'm still using this joke. I've been waiting to use this joke. Right? He gone. Or he will be, yeah. obviously. It's, I think it'll be an interesting couple of months, but... Yep. I think interesting is the right word. I feel very positive about it, but still... It's a step in the right direction. Yes. Where there's a lot of work to be done. That's exactly it. And I am so excited to have Kamala and Joe approaching the White House. There were a lot of other local and statewide wins. Most excited about lesbian. Is she a That's woman it. or She's trooper? She's excited about the lesbians. I'm excited about the yes. lesbians. <laughs> I too am excited about the lesbians. I'm always excited about lesbians. <laughs> the, yes, the first like sheriff in, yeah. it's in Ohio somewhere. Yeah, it's Columbus somewhere in Franklin County, I thought. Or yeah. maybe it's not, but it's somewhere in that area, mm -hmm. central Ohio. Lots of LGBT people stepping into office, a lot of black women, lots of black men, lots of transgendered legislators stepping into office. It's just good to have more representation mm -hmm. of who we are as a country. 100, baby. I'm very happy. I got very drunk yesterday. And guess what? We are drinking a very delicious wine that Tara provided. It's like Starborough Sauvignon Blanc. Something like that. Sponsor us. Yeah. Starborough Winery. And then <laughs> I also brought Sambuca. So get ready for the next episode. We're going to be lit, probably. I'm to be drunk. I have to start my new job tomorrow. <laughs> November has been a great month. I'm very excited. We're about to enter Sagittarius season, which is the age of me. The age of you. I'm a Sagittarius rising as well, so get ready for some, some partying. What's up? You just made a shock Oh face. yeah, because uh, Grubhub just sent me a message. Your order is ahead of schedule and will now arrive oh. between 3.05 and 3.15. Blessed be November. Anyways, we are basic snitches. We are basic snitches, and we are waiting for some tacos oh, to be delivered. Yeah. Oh, oh my god, someone just came here. There's someone who just, maybe they delivered it already. Oh, it's oh, yours. Steve. <laughs> Steve. <laughs> I was like, there's a lady outside. There's a lady. 
Steve's also getting tacos or burritos. Oh, bitch. Chipotle. Once again, we are the basic snitches. I'm Adam. I'm Tara. And today we are discussing chapter 11 of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of... Nope. <laughs> the Goblet of the Fire. The Goblet of Fire. Chapter 11 aboard the Hogwarts Express. Yeah. What happened? We haven't even, like... <laughs> Holy cow, we've literally had three sips of wine, guys. We got good energies. Oh, okay. man. We are coming off of the second full moon of October, blue moon. We are coming off of Mercury retrograde. We're coming off of a successful election. We have beautiful weather. We're about to enter the age of Sagittarius. I cannot say words properly. Words are hard to do. I had two sips of wine. It, we got lots of energy. Here we go. Speaking of lots of energy, Who let's talk about the chapter 10 winner, which is a dual win. Wait, the best wow. fucking parents oh, yeah. <laughs> ever. Weasley Makes parents. Makes all the sense. <laughs> I was just thinking like, one, Mrs. Weasley, everyone went to a sporting event and had a good time. She went to Diagon Alley and she got everything. Did she get Hermione stuff too? I imagine she did. Let's I feel like she, yeah. she did. I mean, it, she would have yeah. if she didn't, you know? Yeah. So she has four of her own children still at Hogwarts. Plus she got Harry's stuff for him. Plus we're going to assume she got Hermione's stuff. What a fucking badass. And then Mr. Weasley comes back from his little vacation and has to like jump head first into work. And they're just like out there winning Parents of the Year awards. Yep. Kick ass. Absolutely. Did Percy loses. Oh man. I was hoping it was Ludo Bagman. <laughs> Ludo Bagman. Guess what, guys? That's the joke I'm not going to kill this season. <laughs> I'm sure I'll find another way for him to lose. But no, Percy's just Percy. Oh, Duke. Fucking annoying. He's like, well, father shouldn't have spoken to her. Shut up, Percy. Get the hell out. That's right. I love it. Very, very good. I do what I can. All right. Let's read a thing, shall we? Yeah. The title of this email is Chapter 11 Thing, Invitation to View. <laughs> because she did it in Google Docs. Okay. That's how I roll. Chapter... Oh, that's a pun because it's aboard the Hogwarts Express. Ah! The Hogwarts Express be rolling. That's me. That was not on purpose. Y'all know that. Chapter 11. The Hogwarts Express be rolling. Summer is over, which is sad for the kids, but great for us because that means it's finally time to go to Hogwarts, only 170 pages into the fucking book. But first, a little more time at the borough, complete with more of a glimpse into Mr. Weasley's crazy job. A visit from Amos Diggory's head, a reminder that Percy is still the most annoying member of the family, not that we needed it. The first mention of Mad-Eye Moody, and a coy little goodbye from the oldest two Weasley brothers. Now we're finally on the Hogwarts Express, and it's time for the usual combination of Hermione schooling the boys on shit they should have probably already known, Malfoy being an asshole, and the short reunions with the other Gryffindor boys. The chapter ends because with Hagrid meeting the students at Hogsmeade and everyone climbing into the horseless carriages that will take them home. The ends. Home in the fucking torrential downpour. I know, it is fucking pouring! Yes, <laughs> it's actually a little bit of a dreary chapter. And it's interesting because every time we go back to Hogwarts, I'm like, yes, it's time to go back to Hogwarts. But there is a kind of foreboding mood throughout the chapter. Yeah. Even their journey to King's Cross, which I know we'll get into. We got shit going down at Burrow. That's right. We got a fireplace head. <laughs> I love that scene. It's like a thing that I wish had been done in the movie. This Weasley feeds him toast with salad tongs or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So 
It's funny because we are nowhere near talking about the movie yet, but we do have a fireplace head moment later with Sirius. Mm-hmm. But this is nice because we get more Amos Diggory because he's important mm-hmm. in this book. We show that, okay, this is not just a fluke when Sirius pops into the fireplace later. It's an actual mode of communication that people use. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty certain that's the point of doing it this way rather than someone sending Mr. Weasley an owl about yeah. um, Mad-Eye. Some world building. There's another moment in this particular chapter that I remember being like, do they not use phones? And of course they don't because wizard technology is different. This is kind of like their solution to phones and it's so similar to flu powder that kind of makes sense because owls or um, the other thing I thought of was howlers are so much mm-hmm. more long term. Like if you need to get somebody a message quickly, there right. you go. I mean, I feel like they must be able to get messages quickly using those type of methods, but I still feel like we're still missing an instantaneous way to communicate. Yeah. Maybe you don't want people's heads just appearing in your fire. Yeah, that's true. Does the flat fire like flare up really big when somebody is about to come and they're like, oh, someone's calling on the fireplace. Can you choose to not answer that? Yeah, seriously, you have to like douse the fire. Like, I'm fucking making dinner. I don't have time for this shit right now. Like to me, obviously, owl is to snail mail as fireplace head is to calling on the phone. And I mean, it's the '90s. There was no text messaging then, anyways. Right. But is there something that is a little bit more instantaneous? For like emergencies or something, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I wonder. It's cool because we don't focus so much on communication. I mean, owls are the big one. Right. So it's cool to see something else. Um, it made me think of all of the different transportation methods we've seen. Yeah, because we talked about that before. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do like seeing that. I think that it's kind of fun. It keeps Amos Diggory kind of in the forefront of our minds because we won't get to spend a whole lot of time with him but he's still there and i also just enjoy the normalcy of there being other adult wizards that are not hogwarts teachers yeah not the weasley parents we're definitely getting more and more into the ministry the ministry is brought up more constantly we we learn a lot about ministry people Mm. in this half of the series apparently that's like the only job you can get (laughs) yeah i've always thought that too it's like well you can work in the ministry you can be a professor you can be an orer obviously you can be like a shopkeeper like if you open shop diagonally like the twins do but it doesn't feel like there's that many other things that you can do i guess but i know that i was like shitting on Mr. Diggory a couple chapters ago, but that doesn't mean that I don't actually like him. He's only in this book, and he has an exceptionally rough ending in this book, and Mm. he gets to be still remembered, just kind of like as a reminder that he's there, I guess. Yeah. And then, like I said, I do enjoy that we're seeing other adults. Yeah, I do agree, though. You already touched on it, but the fact that he eats bread through the fire... I love it ...is so fucking weird. How did that bread not catch on fire? Right? Who knows? Magic. Magic. (laughs) What a surprise. And that's not something that, like, translates into the movie. I mean, it's this book, so what does translate into this movie, really? We're still not sure. There's a goblet of fire. That's about all we got. Yeah. And, of course, the importance of this conversation that they are having, too, which is the first mention of Mad-Eye Moody. Yes. You know, this is where we get some of the exposition of, like, who he is, um, that he's an Auror. First time mentioning what an Auror is, which is very, very important, mm-hmm. in, especially in the scope of Harry's story. They say how half of the cells in Azkaban are full because of him. Mm-hmm. I think the way that Mad-Eye is discussed in this chapter is very polarizing in a good way to help us understand who he is. Yes. Fred or George call him a nutter, and they're like, oh, he's dad's friend or whatever, and... 
Because Weasley's like, oh no, we probably respect him. And you're still not sure how you would feel about him. And then when we do meet him later, you're like, he's not so bad, but also... We've already established he's very paranoid. Obviously, the scene, this is such a throwaway moment. And then later on, you're like, oh. This is totally a throwaway moment. Because this is one of those other moments where now knowing what happens in the series, rereading it and seeing this, it's like, okay, this is important because it kind of establishes big things that happened to him throughout this book. But it's in such a just normal way. It's definitely one of those moments where it's like, okay, why even bring this up? And then when you're rereading mm -hmm. it, you see why it's so important. I actually, when I read it, did not see it so much as paranoia, more as just like reactionary. That's actually also how I see it. I literally took the word paranoia from- From the book. The book. Yeah. Because that's how they describe him. Man, is there a right to be paranoid if like, all the baddies are in Azkaban because of him, you know? Yeah. Sirius Black got out. That truth is not available to anyone. No one knows that truth. So Sirius Black can get out. What about these other people? Yeah. They yeah. could be coming for him. He knows what he's done. And like the dark mark just popped up. Right. And, like. And all of that. He got every right to be on edge about this shit. At first, when I read it, too, it did not seem to me like it was him reacting because someone was breaking into his house. It was written in a very conversational way that isn't plain and simple. Like, someone broke into Mad-Eye Moody's house and he started, like, shooting off all these spells and making things a little bit chaotic. And then the please men came over and were like, what the fuck? It seemed a little bit more of just like, hey, this is what he did. And it went backwards into, oh, someone broke into his house. Like, I had to almost reread it a couple times. Honestly, that just makes me wonder, what exactly does Mad-Eye Moody's house look like? That's what I'm intrigued to know. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's probably not very organized and clean. I don't know that it's not clean. I feel like it's probably filled with all kinds of random shit. What I would imagine Dumbledore's house would feel like. I think so. I think that with Dumbledore's, it's going to be a little bit more aesthetic. Whereas for him, I can see him just like coming home, dropping his shit, not really caring about like the appearance. It's like just the place where he lives. Because then when we actually see his appearance later, the way that he is described is so nonchalant, but in a creepy way, mm -hmm. you know, like he clearly is like, well, this is just how it is. Even the way that people react to him coming into Hogwarts. Yeah, it would be really interesting, though, to get a little bit more backstory on him and, like, what other aspects of his life are like. So after that whole thing happens, that's when they are like, okay, time to go to King's Cross Station. It was interesting to me, this is actually where, like I mentioned, they don't use phones. Because mm -hmm. Mrs. Weasley had to go to the post office to order a few taxis. Rather than calling for a taxi. Right. So I was like, okay, well, clearly they don't have that muggle luxury at their fingertips. So they call these taxis, and, like, what happens in the taxis, on top of, like, the weather already starting to get shitty, is just this complete, like, almost foreboding thing. They're getting all scratched up. Pidgewidgeon is going crazy, screaming. Pidgewidgeon needs to chill the fuck out. Yeah. These are all, like, new situations and new experiences for him, I guess, but... Come on, it's just a car. Just a new person. My favorite thing about this, which just made me laugh, was the statement where it was like, Harry was used to getting on platform nine and three quarters. This is actually only your third year being able to get on the yeah. platform nine and three quarters. 
And the first time doesn't really count. Because... First time you didn't know what you're doing. The second time you didn't. So last year was your first real time doing it. You think you were pro, Harry? Yeah, I was kind of thinking the same thing. Like you, well, you've done it once. So once you get the hang of it, I guess it's pretty. I mean, I guess so. Pretty simple. I do also like how they were like, they just kind of were having a normal conversation. They just slipped through in order to mm -hmm. not get seen. Because in the past, definitely seems like, oh, you have to run at this fucking wall, which is not at all inconspicuous. Right? This way, I enjoy so much more. It's more realistic and sneaky and kind of fun that they had to like pretend to be They're normal. They're just like, I'm just chilling by this wall. Now I'm disappeared, bye. Bye. And then they go on the platform. We get a lot less time on the platform, but we do get the conversation with the Weasleys as they're departing, Bill, Charlie, and Molly. And they're all just being little shits about it, and I love it. Yes. So part of me was like, wow, you really didn't want to give any hints until this moment when they're about to leave? I mean, I kind of feel like that's the thing to do, to be like, ah, fuck. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this will be a fun different year. Uh, maybe I'll see you and sooner. These poor kids are like, God damn it, we can't even interrogate you about it because we're getting on the fucking train. Yeah, I almost wonder, because Percy is mentioned in this chapter, and Percy was like, I have secret information. Everyone's like, shut the fuck up. And see? then they're not with Percy anymore, and they're like, ha ha ha. Yes, exactly. I think there is something to that, where they're like, ha ha, now we can tease you about it. And like, the twins even are like, what the fuck are you talking about? What rule has been changed? And yeah. to show that like, they know more than they even initially let on. And it's also a little bit of like Percy's full of shit. It isn't really as top secret as you say it is. Right. It's gotten out. How many people don't want to like show up their siblings and be like, oh, Percy thought he was so cute. He knew things. Yeah. Oh. Guess what? We all do. We also know things and we don't even work for the fucking ministry. Yeah. Like since Percy's always the butt of everyone's jokes anyway, I'm sure that they're just gonna like, we're totally gonna tell them when Percy's not around, aren't we? No, we're just gonna play that a little more. Like I'm sure that Charlie and Bill probably talked about it. They're like, nah, let's just give them a little, like, tease right like, before they get right on the train. Right before they get on the train, exactly. And then the fact that Molly kind of, like, gets into it, too, like, is, is really, really fun. I love it. And then, of course, the next thing that they kind of encounter on the train, too, Malfoy says the same fucking thing. And it's like, well, of course Malfoy knows. Malfoy knows Lucius everything. Because no he's so important. Fuck but then, also, there is this dig that Malfoy does, of course, once again, in front of Ron on his father. This seems even more personal than usual. I mean, we always talk about how Malfoy's a bad bully. His digs usually are just very surface level and kind of uncreative. Yeah. But in this case, him even going so far to say, well, your father isn't as senior as my father. That is something that feels a little bit more personal and a little bit deeper than what he usually does. It even says that for the rest of the trip, Ron was kind of just in a bad mood. And I can kind of see why because of yeah. that. It's a little bit even shittier yeah, than... He's like, you're maybe your father's too like. junior to know about that. Yeah. It's something new from him that I think elicits a pretty normal reaction from Ron. Especially Ron, who tends to get a little bit more emotional through these things. Yes, and at this point too, Crabbe and Goyle are there, which is worth noting because they, I think, add on to it. I mean, we certainly don't know what their fucking parents do, but does it really matter? They're there with Malfoy and kind of playing into the same joke. This is also where... He mentions Durmstrang. He mentions, yeah, he mentions Durmstrang. Well, he mentioned it a little earlier yeah. and the boys were like, what's that? And then mm -hmm. Hermione's like, 
let me teach you a thing because I'm the smart one. Yeah. This is the other really fun conversation that happens here. Mm -hmm. I always like, you know, the more details and everything of the actual magical world, as you know. And she gets into, like, the hidden nature of buildings. They're like, how do you hide this building? And she's like, fuck it, do you read? But not even that, but, like, where they located. And she's like, well, no one really knows because they're so secretive about, like, the location and... Even if you wanted to find it, you probably couldn't. I think it's very obvious that Bobatons is in France. I mean, the very first thing that right. we even But we learned. don't know where in France. Right, exactly. It could be anywhere. Well, and I wonder for them, obviously they know where Hogwarts is, but I wonder if, like, French wizards know Hogwarts is in Scotland. Well, and the fact that they are visiting Hogwarts, too. Someone has to know where Hogwarts is right. located. Or the secret, at least, to, like, finding it. I wonder if maybe Hogwarts is also a little bit more open about being like, hey, this is where we are. Right. And so that's why they're like, okay, well, this is why we're going to do the Triwizard Tournament at your place. Right. Well, and maybe Madame Maxime and Igor Kakarov, maybe there's like a way that they're allowed to know, but only through Dumbledore, because like we learn about secret keepers and stuff Mm -hmm. in the next book. And well, you gotta we learned a little bit about them in the last book, but we learned a little more about them as far as places and stuff yeah. in the last book. I imagine that Dumbledore definitely knows where the other two schools are located, too. Like, of course he's going to know. Dumbledore. Yeah. Well, and also, it's not just about hiding it in plain sight. It's about all of the magical stuff around it. Mm-hmm. So you can know where Hogwarts is, but you probably can't see it. Unless yeah. Unless you know certain things or... Well, they talk about in Hogwarts case, how it just looks like ruins. Mm -hmm. So when you approach it, it doesn't really look like much. And there's a sign that's like, be careful, very dangerous or something. That would not keep Muggles That would make me be like, fuck yeah. Yeah, we're going in here. This is cool. Absolutely. Although I will say, I'm still very adventurous and I'm still willing to do stupid shit, but I also just don't trust my physicality. We were at the park yesterday hiking and Amy and I were talking about how when I was like, a teenager I broke into the old Chippewa Lake amusement park with my oh, friends. Oh yeah. And she was like, I wanna do that now. Like I've seen all these cool pictures of like nature taking over the park and I'm like, here's the thing. I do too, but I don't trust myself to not do the wrong thing. And it's not about getting caught. It's literally about, you know tripping and tripping and yeah. dying or yeah. something. <laughs> but then you get to fucking haunt Chippewa Lakes. That's cool. That would be fun. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Chippewa Lakes, for those of you who are not in the Cleveland area. Where is it actually located? I mean, Chippewa. It's, it's literally located 15 minutes from here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an abandoned... It's um, part of Medina County. An abandoned amusement park. Closed in like 1980 or something. Maybe, yeah. Because, I mean, I also think of like Geauga Lake. Rip. Yeah. It was a childhood magical place for me. That place I actually went to. Yeah, anything that is kind of abandoned and creepy, always... I'm intrigued. Yeah, so something that I actually wrote down as, like, a comparison, similar to Chippewa Lake, my very first time, like, moving out and being on my own, I mean, I had a roommate, but our house was in Ohio City, very close to Franklin Castle, which is the most haunted house in Ohio. And there's a whole backstory with, you know, murder and Nazis and shit that went on in that house and dead children. And, like, even when you, like, approach the house on the street, looking at it, you can tell, like, this is a fucked up creepy house. So I almost wonder if there were any sorts of rumors about the ruins. 
twins that were kind of passed around to try to keep it. Oh, I wonder. Yeah. Well, and also. Because I would never go in Franklin Castle. I totally would. I've obviously never been to like all of the hills of Scotland and stuff. I feel like it's probably pretty far away from everything. You yeah, know, that too is like Hogsmeade, which is supposedly the only all wizard dwelling in all of Britain, which is saying something because all of Britain is covering a lot of area. It looks like it's in the mountains and stuff. And like, so I wonder if it's like literally just in this part of Scotland where it's like, yeah, it's really not worth it. Yeah. Or maybe people are hearing that, like you said, people are thinking, oh, it's just an old haunted area that... We shouldn't. Yeah. We shouldn't test fate. Some I don't really know. fucked up shit happened here. And right. Like it's probably. Best I mean, some really there. fucked up shit did happen there. Yeah. <laughs> let's be honest. Yes. Yeah, I think that makes sense too. The fact that it's more like secluded. I can see that being the case for the other wizarding schools too. Probably. I've always wanted to know more about their location and <clears throat> everything. Even based on like the movie, which obviously we'll get into soon, I always felt like Bobatons is like, yep, we're in France, obviously. But Durmstrang was the one that was more like, mm, no one really knows. Right. Or I think what it was is that um, if you do research on Bobatons, there's three houses. One of them is Papillon, which is butterfly. I can't remember what the other two are. Or Papillon Police or something. I can't remember off the top of my head. For Durmstrang, it was really like that you don't know how many houses there are there. And actually, legend is that Bobatons isn't just an all-female school. It's male and No, female. well, in the books, they're male and female in the books. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, all throughout this book in particular, I think you're going to find me being more like, oh, well, here's how it is in the movie. Because yeah. obviously in the movie, it's all ladies. Yeah. And then Durmstrang is all no. men. Yeah, but... both schools have... Both genders. Yeah. So it's things. weird that they kind of changed the that. The movie is... Honestly, I think that the fourth movie is the roughest adaptation. Yeah. You're going to hear me say that a hundred times. I've always assumed it's in Austria. Oh, okay. But I don't know why I assume that. I think at first I thought it was Germany, but now I'm more inclined to think that it's something Eastern European like Bulgaria. I mean, obviously Victor Crumb, but... Right. Who knows? I think I wanted to not assume it was in Bulgaria, which is why I was like, oh, what's another Austria. country around there? Austria! Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense, too. I think, on honestly, we could almost do a complete episode just on, like, other wizarding schools and, like, right. talking about theories Could we there. get more information on them? Yeah. I, we don't know where Ilvermorny is, do we? Yes. I think it was, like, at the top of a mountain in Massachusetts. Okay. Can't remember specifically, but I'm pretty sure, like, at the very least it was Massachusetts. I kind of want Ilvermorny to be, like, further up into New England. I feel like that makes sense. I think, well, Massachusetts, Salem. I mean, I could see it like the Rocky Mountains. Thinking of like timelines of how land was taken from native people. I think probably like New England makes the most sense anyways, rather than waiting until settlements were settled in the Rocky Mountains or something. But All very interesting to think about. Do you have anything else to say about the book? Just little things. Like, I was excited to see other people brought up. I think that it was nice to be like, oh, here are the other Gryffindor boys. I really liked connecting with Neville. Clearly, like, just so enthralled by their experience at the World Cup. Yeah. He's like, oh, I, you know, my grand wouldn't have taken me or whatever. We probably just assume that Neville isn't into Quidditch. But then we're like, but he goes to all the Quidditch matches. And yeah. he's very supportive of Harry during the tournament and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think it's similar to, like, Hermione. Like, Hermione's a bit, the biggest Quidditch fan. But it's also about the experience. 
Yeah, that is very true. I think some of that, and of course seeing Seamus and Dean again, too, is very nice. It's a pretty simple chapter. Very linear, I think, even in comparison to some of the other ones. Right. And even though it's raining, it's nice to see Hagrid at the end. Yes. See, I love it when it rains, too, but this sounds cold and This sounds, yeah, cold and miserable. And So we're going to jump back into the movie shortly, but first we're going to fuck, marry, and kill. We have already in this book fucked, married, and killed two different types of transportation. Six different types of transportation. We did it twice. But now that we have some new communication methods, we're going to do those. So this is probably going to be an easy one. I like easy ones. But we're going to fuck, marry, and kill the firehead, owls, and howlers. Howlers, obviously, were not in this chapter, but they were in the previous chapter. Well, I'm definitely going to kill howlers because it's not <laughs> yeah. fun. Yes. That one's easy. All right. And then I think I'm going to... Fuck being able to speak through the fire. And you're gonna marry I'm owls. Gonna marry owls. Yeah, I probably agree with you. Like I said, this is one of the easier ones. Now, at the same time, I could see myself being someone who uses howlers pretty often. So I think howlers are also pretty fuckable. And Fair. I mean, I don't think that I can kill owls. Owls are the merry old for sure. I think the alternative is that I would fuck Howlers and kill the Firehead, but I feel like the Firehead is obviously the more useful one overall. It's more instantaneous, you can eat through it. Right? Like, where's the fire to Bomba? Come feed me. That's right. <laughs> I don't know if we actually are going to put any of this into the episode, but we ordered Bomba and some bitch ordered, delivered it to another house. So now we're waiting on some other fucking Mexican restaurant and they have been waiting at the restaurant forever. It said it arrives in 20 or 30 minutes now for a good 10 minutes. We are striking out. So we maybe end up eating Chipotle. We'll see. Very angry about this. But yeah, I mean, I could fucking, like you said, do people know like if someone's on their way in the fire? If not, I'm gonna pop up into everybody's fire and be like, hey, feed me something. <laughs> what are you having for dinner? Give it to me. They're gonna douse my head a lot. Totally what I would have done. Douse my head or do the same thing. Pop up a pizza. Do the same beans. thing. I want, hey, I heard that you were making tacos for dinner. I heard that you were making Skyline Chili for dinner. Give me some of that. Give some of that. Put, put some Skyline Chili in your like little tongs and feed it to me for the Feed fire. it to me. Thank you. Get like extra long utensils so I can dab steak and feed it to people through the Some fire. really long chopsticks. Yes. <laughs> And apparently it's fine if they're like wooden because the bread didn't catch on fire. Yeah, so. seriously. I mean, you could stick anything through that thing. Honestly, on the flip side, if someone pops in your fire and they're like, Vimi, you could be like, okay, and then put like a brick into their mouth and then be like, ha, ah, you ain't got no teeth anymore. That's what you get for trying to come into my kitchen and eat my food. <laughs> Don't do it again. Let's talk about the movie. Uh, the last moment of the movie was when we had the little Morse Mordra moment in like the ruins of tents. We completely skipped the, the last chapter in the movie. We don't get any more Weasley moments at all. No. No, we never get to see, uh, in case you haven't heard me bitch about it before, we don't get to meet Charlie Weasley at all. Yes. The fucking movie. I feel like you've said it in every episode. I'm so, so pissed. I'm still pissed about it. We don't meet Bill Weasley in this movie, even though he's in the fucking book. But yeah, we don't get the taxi moment, which I think would be super fun to see. I mean, that makes me think of like your lover, the Ford Anglia. So that's too bad. We don't get anything even on the platform. They go right into the Hogwarts Express. Which zero of which is really how it goes in the book. And then this is where there's the Daily Prophet moment. And they and talk about Mad-Eye Moody. 
Yes. There isn't even anything about Rita Skeeter at this point. It's just like, oh, they reported about it in the newspaper. Yeah. Some of the details. There's so much of this stuff is like brought in later, mm-hmm. brought in earlier. The next um, three chapters are all like kind Cho of smushed. Chang. Oh, yes. They have like awkward sexual tension. She walks by and everyone is like, who's that? Oh, wait. If you read the books, this has to be Cho Chang because she's Asian. And the author decided to name her something very obvious and racist. Hey, this is an Asian girl. The actress who plays her is so pretty. Yes. She's really, she's in something coming up. I don't remember what it is because I don't pay attention to stuff. Mm. But we could see the trolley witch. Yeah. They do not get a whole bunch of cauldron cakes. In fact, Harry's like, I don't want anything. I'm like, bitch. Right. If I was on that train, I I would always be like, excuse me, I would love everything from your trolley. I'm rich. I'm Harry Potter, bitch. (laughs) I'm going to die for you in four years. Yeah. Come on. (laughs) Give me your snacks. There is a lot in this particular chapter, in quotes, in the movie, that kind of bleeds the next few together. And I mean, honestly, the last few, too. They're cutting shit left and right. It's all over the place. Yeah, it really is. So... Oh, Hedwig's hanging out. And looks, oh, yeah. She looks, she looks nice and plump. Yeah. She's been eating lots of rats. And croissants. And croissants, of <laughs> course. Duh. Oh, my God. She, She's not a rat eater. If so, she could have eaten skinny dick. Right? Hedwig could have solved that problem. Yeah, for skinny dick could have been in an owl pellet. But instead, she's like, nope. I'm I croissants. I'm visiting my bitches at Bobaton getting croissants. Right? All her friends about to come to Hogwarts, she'd be like, yeah, hey, bitch, what's up? Yeah. Harry's like, how the fuck you know my owl? She's <laughs> like, like, where do you think your owl was all summer? Hanging out with us. Hanging out with us. We were feeding her croissants. Yeah, drinking all of our nice French wine. Right. We oh, I bet Hedwig can hold her like a She's like a huge wine snob. Oh, of course she is. And then she sees what Pidgwidgeon is drinking. And She's like, like, come on. What the fuck kind of shit is this? <laughs> you got no class? You can't keep your fucking mouth shut? Poor Pidgwidgeon. He's just trying to live his life. Hey, he yeah. has a lot to learn. He does. He is very loud and annoying, but he's so cute. He a babe. Well, let's get into some points. A very simple list of points this time around. I'm giving negative 15 to Draco and negative 5 each to Crab and Goyle for obvious reasons. Existing, They're assholes. I mean, no one is surprised. And then I'm only giving two positive points. I'm giving plus 5 to the taxi drivers because they did not expect this today. And that is a lot to deal with. And if everybody was scratched up when they got to King's Cross, you know that those fucking taxi drivers are suffering some PTSD from taking some wizards to the train. For real, though. And then I'm also giving plus 10 to Ron because of how he reacted to what Draco said. Like, that really, like, stood out to me in terms of, like, clearly this is something that bothers him a lot. So far this book, too, it's been in very um, nuanced ways, but I feel like Ron, there's something more brave and more, like, solid about him. I mean, some of that is going to change shortly. I think of, like, Potter Stinks and, like, the way he reacts to that. But so far, I feel like there's a lot of growth showing from him, especially because we've been spending so much time with the Weasleys. I I don't know. He's more at the forefront for me right now. Well, and... I think it's good for us to be able to see Ron not being a little fucking brat yeah. right before he's about to be a little fucking brat. Yeah, yeah. It's nice to have some more, like, peaks and valleys with him. Because in the movie, we don't really get that. So... No, we just get to see him be a little brat. Gay little brat. I don't want to wear these robes. You put your fucking name in the Goblet of Fire. And now you got to come save me from some people. So on and so forth. Those are spoilers. Y- y'all know. 
Y'all know that what's coming. <laughs> so to recap my little list here, negative five to Crab and Goyle, negative 15 to Draco, plus five to Taxi Drivers, and plus one to Ron. Very nice. Chapter 12 is next, if you know how numbers work. Sometimes. And that is called the Tri-Wizard Tournament. We're finally there. We're finally to like the main like, Literally thing Literally 170 in pages into the book. Yeah. We are at Hogwarts. That is correct. So so we're going to get into that. Next chapter is a meaty one. This one was nice and It is a nice long chapter. Whew. Yeah. So, and hey, guess what? We're back on to me having to write things on the, the big beefy chapters. Even though your last beefy chapter, you phoned it the fuck in. No, I was being <laughs> clever, thanks. Clever and lazy. You are mad because I thought of that first. It was both. It was lazy too. It might have been clever, but it was lazy. But not as lazy as our fucking Grubhub driver. Mm -mm. I hope that fucker is enjoying our tacos, and I hope that they get diarrhea. (laughs) Anyways, join us next time. Get lit. Get lit? Yeah, that's my sign off for this one. Are you going to say goodbye? Bye. I'm not clever enough to come up with something better. Get lit. Yeah, that. Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Edited by me, Adam Bowers. And published by me, Tara Corkery, and available wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. Please review and rate us five stars on your app of choice. And be sure to share us to all of your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Oh, don't forget to follow us on social media. Sometimes I update that. Basic Snitches on Instagram. Also, we have a Facebook page. And email us anything you want to or specifically answers to our questions on our segments. BasicSnitches at gmail.com. But don't send us dick pics, please. That's nasty. But do send us liquor. Thanks. Yeah. Aloha, Mora. Oh, now people can get into your house. They're on their toe. But they don't matter because now you're a water goblin. Bye. Bye.